Oh, hey, good evening. Good to see you guys. Thanks for coming out on Valentine's Day, Valentine's Night. Um, kind of when you have a, it's kind of a holiday, but then it's not. So it's one of those things, well, you know, all the single people go, well, what's the deal? Why aren't you having Bible study? You know, so... <laughs> Anyway, thank you. Thank you for coming out. Good to see you guys. And um, let's see, we actually have uh, a couple of new guys sitting out here tonight. I'll just let you guys introduce yourselves. Who wants to go first? You can. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> My name's Clark. I live here in town. Um, Glad to have you. <laughs> good. I came back in here earlier this week to buy a new study Bible and found out you guys have Bible study on Monday nights, so if I don't have my sons on Monday night, I'm going to come back in. Fantastic. We are glad to have you, Clark. Thank you. And I'll let you introduce yourself again. Me? Yeah. <laughs> my name is Chris. Uh, I started uh, dating Amy, Amy not too long ago, and we started talking about uh, a few things, and she said that there was a Bible study here that she had been to a couple of years ago, I guess, when it, when it started, um, back in the beginning maybe. And I uh, thought, so, you know, maybe this is something that we want to pick back up again and take a look at. So she'll be meeting us here in just a little bit. Well, great. Certainly glad to have you guys. And uh, I hope that this uh, this can be something that we uh, we all can uh, grow from as we go into uh, God's Word and we look at uh, Ephesians. We happen to be uh, right in uh, chapter 5. And it's actually about imitating God. Now, that's not my words. That sounds strange. But Paul tells us, he, he commands us <laughs> to imitate God. That's found in Ephesians 5, verse 1. And that's where we had been in the last couple of weeks. By the way, since it's Valentine's Day, and if some of you are sentimental about that, um, you'll notice that we're going to kind of keep in step with Valentine's Day because in verse 2 it says, walk in love. <laughs> and that's how you imitate God. You walk in love. That's what we dealt with actually last week. So we, we had our Valentine's Day message, or Bible study I mean, last week that, about walking in love. But just in case you weren't here, uh, what that was dealing with is you look at the supreme example of love and you find it in the person of Christ. And because He gave Himself up for us. There is no better example of love than what that is. The only thing is, the world has its definition of what love is and it tells you that, no, it's it's like this. So you do all those dirty things and it shows in verse 3, it talks about fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Then it starts talking about uh, not only actions, but the way what the mouth does, uh, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. Instead, we're to be giving thanks, but instead the mouth does this. And he says, the fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, if that is their lifestyle, and that's who they really are, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's a serious thing that just exposes who they really are if they continue that kind of lifestyle. Uh, so love is not fornication, and it's it's not um, uncleanness, right? As he says that, coveting, uh, coveting, which is all part of that too. And it's not using those sexual kind of innuendos and such in our language, but love is self-sacrifice like what Christ did as he gave himself as an offering, as a sacrifice. So that's how we imitate God. Yes? I think it was Jack Graham, I was listening to, was saying something about that just tonight on the way here. And he was 
talking about agape love, like what you were just talking about, and the um, secular view of love. And he says, people will say, I love my wife and I love hot dogs in the same sentence. I love hot dogs. <laughs> and, it, you know, they don't get it. Yeah. How often do we say some th- things that is really, it doesn't really have that, that same meaning? I love that I love this Bible study. Now, the people in the Bible study, I get, I can say, hey, that's okay, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. I know what you mean. And we have uh, different definitions, it seems like, at least uh, coming from the worldly side. But here Paul says, you imitate God by walking in love. And walk is, is your practice. That's, that's what you do, right? And that's what in Ephesians, he's already stated in verse 17 they started off with a negative. Okay, because of your position, because of what God has done, uh, verse 17, I say therefore and testify, this is chapter 4, 17, testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, no longer walk, don't do this anymore, as the rest of the Gentiles walk, as they act, live their lives out, in the futility of their mind. So we're not to act that way, but here's the way that we're acting. And so as we get into chapter 5, he says, imitate God. Now, if you're a Christian, you can imitate Him. Look at Christ. It starts with that. Imitate Christ. Look at what He did. Self-sacrifice. Offering Himself up. Now, 8 through 14, it's just, which is really where we are at tonight, is dealing with walking in the light. Okay, We're to walk in love, and that's walking in really the person of Christ. You know, filled with with His kind of love, that the true love, a strong, godly love. And then we are to walk in the light. God is light. God is love. Uh, if you didn't know any better, you'd think you were dealing with John. Because in the Gospel of John, you will see those two words constantly. Love and light. First John, love and light. Same kind of thing. Anyway, uh, that's our ultimate goal, to pattern our lives after the person of Christ as we are empowered with God's Spirit to do that. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank You as we uh, look into Your Word tonight and as we see that we are to walk in love and the perfect example that being Christ and being empowered to do that. And we also see that we are in the light. If we are Christians, we have been brought out of the darkness into Your light. Uh, What a marvelous situation we have being... Um, brought out of that past life that we had and now we can look at you and realize that as we see you more and more through your word that uh, we would recognize things even more and more as the light shines brighter and brighter and uh, to know where we have been placed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, the love walk and now the uh, the light walk. Let's, uh, let's read this section. Start at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit, or light, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, 
and Christ will give you light. Light, light, light. You ever been in the darkness where you turn out all the lights and you can't see anything? I mean, like a cave where there is nothing there you can see at all? That's the way we once were before we knew Christ. And then the light comes on and all of a sudden you can see things uh, just bright. Well, that's what we've been brought into. Now, a lot of aspects dealing with light. First of all, it was used from an intellectual sense in that now we didn't know things before, now we do. We, we know this intellectually. Secondly, it's also the moral side. There's a dark side of life where people are doing things that would be like the Gentiles and the futility of their minds, darkening their minds. Hello, how you doing? Hey, we got a seat especially for you right there. <laughs> Good to have you on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and uh, so the, there's a moral aspect to light. There's the intellectual aspect too. So that's uh, the mind and uh, the, a- the actions that we do. Uh, if you look at it intellectually, light refers to truth, doesn't it? At one time we didn't have truth. We just thought and did things the way that we thought we knew best. Uh, the moral light refers to holiness. So once we have seen what the intellectual light is or the understanding of truth, then we also start to conform our lives to that. Now we have been made holy and we are being made holy. By the way, we are in the middle of a section of Ephesians that's dealing with what? Sanctification or holiness. Here's what God has done for you. Now here's what we do with with the power of His Holy Spirit. And so we have a lot of commands here, but it's also showing that we're only commanded to do things that we are. He's, he's wanting us to recognize who we really are. But he starts off with this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in Christ. Living in the light means living in truth, and it means living in holiness. Light. Receiving the truth, and then living a holy life. Uh, one of my favorite verses is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if we start at verse 3, we'll see that there is the light of the gospel. And it says in verse 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the ones who are unbelievers. They're dying. And until they really get that truth of the gospel, it will remain veiled or they will be in the dark. So he says in verse 4, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who's the God of this age? Satan. And he has the power to keep their minds blinded until Christ comes in and opens that up, as we'll see as we move on through this verse. They're the ones who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel... Good news. Of the glory of Christ. Is that good news? The glory of Christ. Imagine that. The glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Christ is the very image of God. He is God. He is the very radiance of God. He is the image of God. He is the very light of God. And whenever He is brought to one's attention, whenever our hearts are open, all of a sudden the gospel floods in and we're able now to see that light which we had been blinded by the what God of this age. Moving on. 
lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, that's, a, that's quite a paragraph or a part of a sentence, I mean, that is powerful, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And he says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Then he comes back and says it in a little bit different way. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He took that back to Genesis, didn't he? This is the same God who brings light into our life. He's the same guy that God who spoke and commanded the light to come in Genesis 1 and in creation. So, He commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We see the glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ. He has been revealed through the pages that we look at in our Bibles. Jesus Christ is found here, the truth of Him. When we hear the Gospel and that good news, the light comes on. Now we begin to understand things that we could not before because we were blinded. A blind person cannot see and God comes in and gives them sight. Uh, John 9, I think of the blind man. And that blind man was born that way. Jesus says this. That blind man was born that way so that God would get the glory whenever He would give him sight. It's an incredible thing. Now, that is a physical sight, but there is the spiritual meaning behind it, which is even more important to show that this man was blind just like everybody else is blind or dead and they are in the need of of light. And it takes God to come in and do that. The light of Christ's gospel. I love that 2 Corinthians 4. A lot of light there that is shed upon uh, uh, the truth. So we have a contrast here in verse 8. Chapter 5, verse 8. You were once darkness. This is hard, isn't it? Hard concept. (laughs) Easy. Paul makes it real easy. He takes, you were in the dark. Uh, Now, you are light. You are light. He's not saying that we know the light. The light is over there, or the light is up in heaven, but he says what? We are light in the Lord. Qualifies that. Yes, stop. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So he separated the light from the darkness, and so on. So kind of a parallel to the original creation account. It absolutely is. You know, he says, we were dark. Dark is created as well as this light that he's created for us. You know, he is light himself, but that's a whole, (laughs) you know, other light that we can't even look at. But so, just kind of give that perspective there that it all started with the creation of the dark and separating the light from the dark. That's what he does with us. We were. um yeah, when you think that uh, if we'd remain in that darkness. How dark is that darkness? Like you said, the eye, the, the eye is the lamp of the body or something like that. If the, if the eye is dark, how great is that darkness? Right. 
This is all glory to God, isn't it? That He would bring us out of that situation. And if, of course, we we look at what uh, what we were, we we were dark. Or uh, back in Ephesians two, you always have to remind yourself of this. Of course, it's saying the same thing here. He's saying that we were dead, and you He made alive. Verse one: Who were dead in trespasses and sins? We were dead. We were in darkness. There was nothing there spiritually for us, and we walked according to the way that the world did just to prove who, who we were. That's, but that's what it was. Ultimately, it would lead, unless there is an opening where the light comes on, it leads to ultimate darkness, which uh, in Matthew eight twelve it says, they will be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness. Um, away from um, the presence of God that we know what the presence of God is. I mean, and, and having a relationship with Him and knowing Him and realizing how good He is for us. But they're cast into that outer darkness. So that's what we were. We could probably go into a lot of texts that deal with that, but I think that's uh, sufficient enough to say, here's where we were at. And it makes you realize the grace of God when you think about where you were. And that's what Paul does. He reminds him, this is what you were. Here's what you are. You're you're in uh, you you are uh, light, um, and the real test is, you see that the children of light are made manifest by the the fruit of light. Uh, they will manifest that the children of light are uh, made manifest by the fruit of light. As he will move on into uh, this verse, as he goes into verse nine, he says, "Okay, since you are light in the Lord, you are to walk." Make sure your practice, make sure what you manifest looks like true light, that it's really shown, and it will. But um, when you think about, okay, the Genesis, as far as creation is concerned, we know that God is light. Um, We know that when we look in the book of James, in chapter 1, it says that... um, Every perfect gift comes from above, right? From the Father of lights. And there's no shadow, right? So uh, there is no darkness with Him at all. It's not that He has mostly light and a little bit of dark in Him. He's absolute perfect light. And if that be the case, God is that way. Jesus Christ then has to be that way. And we know that we look in the book of John, for instance, and John presents one of the I Am statements. You have seven I Am statements, basically, in the book of John. And one of them is, I am the light of the world. The book of John proves that He is God, right? I am the resurrection and the life. I am uh, the way, the truth, and the life. On and on. All those. And so, whenever He says He's the light of the world, He made quite a statement. I am. I am was good enough. He was saying that He's God. He is the light. What's fascinating is that not only God is light, Jesus is light, Jesus is God, but that then we are transferred out of that darkness into light and we are to manifest that light. So go to Colossians, just a couple of books over, in chapter 1, verse 13.
He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, you don't necessarily see light there, but you do see darkness. So what's the kingdom made up of? (laughs) It is light. That's the very presence of God. But that's where we're at now. We've been transferred into that kingdom even right now. That's where we're at. It's not someday it will come. Well, we will we'll eventually see even more and more. We will see Him as He is. But even now, we are transferred into that that kingdom. Um, go to First Peter chapter two. Very familiar verse. And it's in verse nineteen. It would help if I would go to First Peter and not Second Peter. I'm not. I didn't read that one yet. Hope I got the right one here. Um, matter of fact, uh, it's actually verse nine. See, I'm telling you. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We could sing that song, couldn't we? Scriptural song. Out of darkness, into the marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Do you see the contrast? Darkness, light, God's people. We weren't God's people before. We have we didn't have mercy. Now we have mercy. Boy, that just that uh, section right there, just that two verse section, is incredible with what has happened to us. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. God's own special people. And what's the reason that we'd proclaim what praises of Him? We can proclaim praises because we realize where we came from and where we are at now. What a blessing. We have reasons to praise God. Called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Sermon on the Mount. Oh, yeah. Another famous verse. You say, what is it? What is it? He first says, You are the salt of the earth, right? But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. So he uses that analogy. And he comes along and says, oh, look at this. Think about this one. You, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That's what Paul is saying in our passage tonight. Let your light shine. Why? So you can be glorified? <laughs> no. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The reason we do anything, it's for one reason, that God be glorified. The Father will be glorified. The Father of lights. Father of lights. Anyway, you are the light of the world. That's interesting. Jesus states later on that He is the light of the world and then He comes along and says to people who are believers or the ones who are the blessed ours, He is just... 
given the Beatitudes. And then he says this, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. No, you are Jesus. Yeah, but if Christ lives in us, then we are like a lamp and He is to shine forth and uh, to shine before men that they would see the works of God in us. It's His it's His light that's coming through us. It's not anything in us, but it's all Him. The light. Anyway, children are light. Christians are to be... Catch this. Christians are to be God's light in the world. That's how He shows who He is today. Through us. He said, I don't feel significant enough to do that. Yeah, but just think what He has done in you and continues to do. And if if we are obedient, we're in His Word, we're in prayer, we're desiring to do His will, you're going to start showing light in your life. The fruit of the light is going to be uh, there and present. You're children of light. You are light. Jesus said it. And then Paul comes along and says it right here. So I guess that's it. We are light. Thanks to the Lord. So that's what we are. Quite a transference, isn't it? From darkness to light. Good analogy. I think that's. As, I think anybody can grab a hold of that if we have been spiritually uh, uh, led by God's Spirit with the Word of God. But uh, with that kind of thinking, that's a something very simple. Uh, Jesus uses salt. Uh, he uses light. Just something common that we we see every day, and transfers it into something that is deep spiritually. Okay, well, that's uh, that's it. That's the contrast. Thank you guys for coming out tonight, and we'll see you next week. This new believer who is in the light, I think we all would agree that uh, I stop sinning. I, I don't steal. I don't commit it. I live a a good, righteous life. But when we come to the word truth, the church divides in fifteen different ways, or fifteen hundred different ways, whatever. We can all agree on some things, but why don't we agree on what is the truth? He said, "Learn what is pleasing to the Lord." You know, you can mention some doctrine and divide this group in four different ways. <laughs> Truth is not divisible like it's a Baptist truth and a Methodist truth and a Pentecostal truth. It's true. Right. But doctrine divides the church. Uh, I think people have ignored the Pittsburgh trying to learn what is pleasing mm-hmm. to the Lord. Well, my church says this, so that's what I believe. I don't care whether it's what the Bible says or what the Lord uh. says or what's pleasing to the Lord. It's my church says this, so that's what I'm going to believe. We just throw truth to the wind. Yeah. Now you can do that whatever you want. <laughs> I'm not going to throw it to the wind because that's what it's all about. And if and if we're not, if each one of us is not bound and committed to this truth, then we're in for a lie. And who wants to? Live a lie. I mean, it, it it takes something to cave into that t- 
truth sometimes, but what is we want what God says. Janice had a friend that uh, I believe this woman was truly born again, knew the Lord, loved the Lord. They agreed on a lot of things until Janice mentioned one thing. I'm not going to tell you what it was. She's never heard from that woman again. She has moved out of town and does not even know where she is. Over that one little thing that Janice said to her, she split and we've never heard from her again. And knowing Janice, the truth was mixed with love on a perfect balance. <laughs> no, seriously, I kid you not. I can't, I can't imagine Janice coming in there and trying to offend somebody on purpose. But if you give the truth, and as it says truth, truth and love, Paul has already stated that, but it doesn't always guarantee the result that we'd like to see. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But it, it sure will scatter and, uh, and and it's interesting that that word truth comes right up in verse 9 right here. Because yeah. it's part of the triune uh, fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Yep. That's right. That uh, uh, truth... As a matter of fact, uh, you said a title of a book. One uh, That was a title of a book quite a few years ago by Erwin Lutzer. And it was called... Uh, ah, I just had it. Truth, Doctrine Divides. And that's basically what you were saying there. It will. But hopefully it will get people into understanding that, hey, whatever God says here, no matter what, that's what I want to do. And it means to really search it out and seek it out. It takes work sometimes to get to that truth. It may look... I don't think that's the attitude of a lot of people. At least the ones that I've met. Truth matters, doesn't it? Truth really matters. And and that's isn't that really kind of what we're dealing with? When we talk about light, we're talking about truth. We are people of the truth. If, if we're Christians, we're all we're all people of the truth. Only thing is there are there are truths that we haven't found out yet and we should be committed to saying, okay, whatever God's next truth that he asks for me, I want to make sure that I, you know, I'm lining up with it. Because that's what I'm I'm built on, it's you know, really on that truth. To talk about giving you the truth in love when you're telling me that, you know, I'm dead and I'm in darkness and I'm separated from God and I can't see, I'm blind. And and now, oh, because I love you, I'm telling you all this stuff. So that, you know what I'm saying? doesn't make you feel too good, does it? No. <laughs> but if it's a truth, <laughs> you've got to know that, right? If somebody's outside out there and there's a lion getting ready to get them, and I say, hey, listen, get in here real quick. There's a lion that's going to jump on you and kill you. And, and all of a sudden you make them feel really bad because they're going to get attacked, but they don't believe that. Why? You, I, I want to stay out here. But if you come inside, you can keep from that from happening. Oh, bad analogy probably. But that's because that's you love them, you know. Is very painful, especially when you're talking to the lost and you're. I'm not talking to the lost. I'm talking about even believers, believers right? Yeah. Believers. yeah. See, that's even worse. For believers, though, because we think we're pretty good. Oh, we battle against that. See, that's the thing. Yeah. We, we yeah. We're pretty smart too, you know. I mean, I've been reading the Bible for twenty years. You can't tell me anything I don't know about it. I already know that, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is what that's what people do, and, and so then you say, "Well, yeah, but did you ever read this where it says, you know?" Let's look I mean, at this verse. 
That's good. That truth stuff is really tough. It, and I'm just thinking I'm not much of a light. <coughs> I'm still back on the light thing. I'm trying to figure out what kind of light. Well, I'd like a report card from the people that I work with every day. Why? <laughs> because I don't really think they see much light. <laughs> well, we want to cast that out, don't we? I mean, we want to. Sometimes we can have that uh, that shade. It can be a little bit dark, maybe. It's not coming out the way it should. Well, I might but, uh, be able yeah. to be nice, but, if, but I'm not going to give the truth because then they're really not going to be light. <laughs> and if, if you let up at work like you do when you're singing in church, <laughs> there would be no, no problem identifying that this woman is lit up. And I'm telling you, that is when I see the... The light comes on. The light that there. was very... That's <laughs> Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Being light everywhere, right? Keep that song going in your What she said, she said, you know what? Uh, some people don't know light when they see it. <laughs> well, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> that was me for a long time. <laughs> but then if the light's working in them, they do begin to, the Holy Spirit points it out to them, which are unusually, whatever that. Yeah, but for years I stared right into the light and it just made me blind. That's right. Well, and if Satan's got the blinders on you anyway, you're still not going to see. You're not going to recognize that light, and you don't want it because it's too bright. Yep. I mean, you know. well, that's one thing that Satan is going to do is if you're in the light, he's going to throw every blinder he can at your way to try to get you away from the light. He don't want you to get the truth, does he? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's one thing that stuck with me for years because I've been brought up in church because I always question what do they mean by being born again? Because you cannot go back into your mother and be born again. So I knew that meant spiritually. Yeah. That's why you have to be baptized and accept the Lord Jesus Christ and live in His name. Accept His Spirit and live in His blood. There has to be a change in you, doesn't there? That's why He also put us here that are believers here as His ministers as well. You don't have to be ordained to do it. You have to ask people to come to church with you to see if they want to accept it and live in that and repent for their sins. That's why he also put some of us here. So we can try to convert some away from Satan and bring them over to the other side. You've been reading ahead here. No, yeah, 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 it's right here. It's in the next few verses. <laughs> I've done a lot of studying over the years. Good. One thing I even asked my pastor about the other day, I want to know where the closest seminary school is. Because I think that's what I am supposed to do to become a minister or a pastor. Well, maybe we can uh, we can uh, talk a little later and see what uh, what's happening there then. Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've had so many thoughts, even from me laying down, sitting down, whatever, speaking with God himself. I've had so many thoughts coming through. That's another reason... I'm glad to see that there is a Bible study somewhere in town. Well, fantastic. We uh, we thank the Lord for it. Uh, I thank the Lord for the people in part of this Bible study, um, all the ones that are not here tonight and the ones that are, and been really good supporters of it all along through. I'm so thankful. Uh, it's not an accident. It, God puts it together. It's it's His thing. But we want to we want to be faithful to truth. And as we're hitting on that word, it's it's so key. Uh, the reason I said uh, what you're saying is in in the following 
section, uh, or in this section, it's dealing with even exposing uh, the errors uh, of people. And verse 14, it says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. Here we are. We can give them light. So that's kind of, in essence, what, what you were saying there. <laughs> yeah, we can't do that. We can't be, we can't be going ahead here. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, we're done now. <laughs> okay. We still have a little while. Uh, no, <laughs> perfect. Thanks. Okay, now, verse 9 is exactly what we've been dealing with here. Here's the fr- now, my version says fruit of the Spirit. But I think I, I think an NAS is probably going to say light there, right? And that's a better translation. Uh, ESV is going to say light. Most of them are going to say that. Because uh, it's staying in context with what it is. Uh, we know the fruit of the Spirit is okay too. That's a good thing. We can find that in Galatians. And we're, but we're in Ephesians. We're talking about light. <laughs> so the fruit of the light is in... Oh, here's, a, here's our triune fruit here, as Eldon called it. And that's a good way to put it, because we'll see why. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, those are three key concepts. Uh, Goodness is, the word is agathosene, and fancy word, it's it's a Greek word, but to get precise what that means, we look at the Greek word, what Paul wrote here, and we'll get as close as we can to what this means. Not through Webster's Dictionary, but through a Greek dictionary to try to get precise. It means a moral excellence or uh, something that is done for others in a loving, sacrificial way. Goodness. Go to 1 Thessalonians and let's see the use of that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. There's the and here's a contrast. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. So we want goodness or what is good not only for ourselves but for others. And so there there's a great balance there. But always pursue what that that makes sense as a Christian. That's not very hard to understand, but. He is saying that that's uh, that's the idea of goodness. Look in Second Thessalonians chapter two. That word will be used again here in verse one. Did I do that again? Boy, I'll tell you. I'm not so sure what I did there, unless I did one of those wrong Thessalonian books. I'm thinking of the verse here, but I don't have it quite right here. Sorry, that's the second time tonight. Okay. Will you guys excuse me? Uh, we'll go to Galatians 5. <laughs> we'll go to the fruit of the Spirit. I know where that's at. Sorry about that. I copied down some wrong verses. Probably good verses, but... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness. And there's our word there. Uh, Agathosene. That's a moral excellence. A sacrificial uh, love. Something that's done for others. 
that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the light, this goodness is. This uh, goodness is something that we would do towards who? Somebody else. It's others. We do goodness. And there's a lot of good things we can do for people. And if we started listing all of those, we would not have enough time throughout the rest of the night to think of good things. But uh, those opportunities can arise. And when they do, do good. That's how you can prove that you are fruit of the light. One of them is goodness towards others. The next word is righteousness. And this is connected with that righteousness that we know that we know that we have been declared righteous, right? We are. What's our standing before God? We are right. There's a rightness about us because of the righteousness or justification that was transferred to us. Let's go to Romans six thirteen, and this would be dealing with maybe our standing before Him. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. If He has made us righteous, then we take ourselves and present ourselves as living sacrifices, Romans 12, but here in Romans 6, we take these instruments of righteousness and present them to Him. Because it's the righteousness that He has given, so it's towards God. Now, we want to we want to show a righteousness that God has given to others, but here, I think in Romans 6 and other places, it would be emphasizing the very righteousness that God has given us, and we present, first of all, to Him. So we have the goodness towards others. We have the righteousness that we have been given that we present to God. Uh, it's our relationship to God. Uh, we never deviate from this this path of holiness that He has set for us, right? We don't want to deviate from that that kind of walk. What's the third term now here in our Ephesians passage? Out of the fruit of the light, we have what? Goodness, righteousness, and here's our word, truth. Third term is truth. You can say, well, where's this going to go? Well, of course, truth is going to be towards God. It's going to be towards others. But we can also see that as we're proving this, And finding out what's pleasing to God, we see that if we check out our lexicons, our Greek dictionaries and such, we'd find an interesting thing here. And you might run into different terms for this, and we'll just add them together and make a composite. For one thing, you'll see the word integrity for this word truth, aletheia. It, it means integrity or honesty. Uh, it means reliability. How many times do people and even Christians, say they're going to do something and they don't do it. It happens a lot, doesn't it? They're not reliable. You can't count on that person. They they say they're going to do it. They even mean it at the time, but the integrity is shot because they don't follow up with that. Uh, Another word, uh, I guess you could say that would be trustworthiness, wouldn't it? Trustworthiness. Uh, This has to do with our own 
self, as we would look at ourselves, if we would look, and of course truth is dealing with the doctrine and everything, but this particular word here is also emphasizing the fact that um, it's it's reliable, it's trustworthy, uh, there's integrity. Uh, have we ever examined ourselves? A- am I those things? A- am I honest? And am I am I reliable? Uh, or uh, are we hypocrites? Are we really false? God's desire is that we would really display um, this this uh, idea of, of truth in our in our own lives. Look at look at how it is. What he's saying, if if you're walking as a as a child of the light, there's going to be some fruit there. Goodness is going to be there. How you treat others. There's going to be righteousness. Um, righteousness with others, but righteousness also of how you present yourself to God. There's going to be truth in um, how you uh, what you present to others. Truth in how you get it from God, but also the truth that uh, you do what you say you're going to do in that meaning there. So there's going to be goodness, there's going to be righteousness, there's going to be truth in Christians. Now the thing is, there's, there are variables and sometimes those things are not going to show up sometimes. They don't look very good. It's not looking very bright. A light is really dim, but boy, it's <laughs> you ever seen light where there is a dense fog? You know there's some light there somewhere, but it's it. It's really it's a nebulous looking, you know. It's very dim, and sometimes we're that way. But these things will verify our lives. As people look at our lives, they can see these things there, uh, and, and that's why I think verse ten is so good. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, or um, what is pleasing to the Lord. This sounds like Romans 12, verse 2. To uh, Romans 1, 2, or 1, well, verses 1, 2, and 3 in chapter 12 there. And then he gets into the, uh, wrapping that all up so that we would uh, really be having the will of God in our lives. Uh, you don't want to just teach what is acceptable to God. We, we want to live it. And we also want to verify it in our own lives uh, that it's really there in all that we do and all that we say. It should be a part of our lives. Uh, look in Romans 12. Just go back there uh, just for a moment. And here he's, he's talking about renewing our minds. Right? Because ultimately, really what we want to do is please God, right? We want to glorify God. We want to please Him. And... Uh, Verse 1, he says, um, By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is to God, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here we go. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't let it wrap you up in its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how we do these things. We renew our mind daily. What do we do? We put the truth into our minds constantly, constantly feeding it. Why would we want to do that, though? Well, that we would prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That we would prove to ourselves what um, this this holy living is. It, it It's something that God approves of, and it proves to us 
and it proves even to others, if you want to stretch it that far, that um, you are what you are. You are the light. Uh, but God's will is perfect, isn't it? And that's what we want. And we want to be pleasing. And it's all based upon truth. It's based upon uh, this Word of God. We renew our minds with that. So you can say, well, I just want to know what God's will is. Well, the place to start is where? The Word of God. I just don't know what God is doing. I, I just can't find it. Well, my question is, is what? Have you been in the Word? <laughs> oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Anyway, that's that's a key thing. That's how we find out what is uh, acceptable to the Lord. That's how we find this out. Believers walk in the truth. The knowledge of the Lord then starts becoming clearer. The light starts becoming brighter. It's shining brighter. And all of a sudden we say, Ah, bingo, I've got it. Here's where I'm supposed to be. Here's what I'm supposed to be doing. Anyway, that's why Paul would, would say that. We want to. Don't we want it verified? What's pleasing to the Lord? Mm-hmm. And that's how. That's how. Know you're in. Know you that you're in the light. Now he gives a command, and the command is a negative one. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. He's not saying don't have fellowship with unbelievers, but he is saying don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works. Of this darkness, the word is. Has has anybody um, had familiarity with the word koinonia? Most of you have, right? What's it mean? Fellowship. Well, this would be soon koinoneo, which is fellowship with. Really getting in there with it, fellowshipping, taking a part of this, uh, participating. Don't get involved with the immorality of the world. He's been talking about fruit, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then he says, don't be participating in the things that are opposite, that are unfruitful. You are fruitful. You have the fruit of the light. So why would you want to participate in unfruitful deeds? Don't get involved in this the immorality and all the uncleanness and the things of the world. Uh, unfruitful deeds. Unfruitful works. And it's interesting. Here he says, here's what you do with those unfruitful deeds. What is it in verse 11? What's the last phrase? What do you do with it whenever there are unfruitful deeds? Expose. Welcome to why you lose friends. <laughs> the truth. The truth can hurt, can't it? Especially from like holidays like today, whenever, since we're in Romans, I've told people to look up chapter 12, verse 9, <laughs> where it says, Love must be sincere, hate when is evil, cling to what is good, but to keep going, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves, etc., etc. We do not need a holiday like today to show each other love. This is called commercializing, in my opinion. Do we need every day? <laughs> you don't need a single day on the calendar, which, if you actually go even further to find out what it is, which we won't, because I do too much research. But 
You don't need it on the calendar with a heart on it to, just for that one day of the year to go You better tell Hallmark it. that. <laughs> I thought about creating a card for it and sending it to them, but I figured they'd turn me in. <laughs> But guys, don't forget, don't forget that Valentine card for your wife, or you might be in trouble. <laughs> We're supposed to love each other every day of the year. If there's something that they need done, and you have the time to do it, or you're free to do it, do it freely, willingly. If you have the time to do it, if you don't, they should understand, and you should be able to, if you have the time, find somebody to help them. We don't need a heart on the calendar to do it. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Beating on this one, right? No. That, that's saying that we're constantly to be doing that sacrificial love, right? Well. Over and over. <laughs> over and over and over and over and over. Uh, after we see what God has done in us, that's what Romans does. First 11 chapters, and then it says, okay, now you can do this. Here in Ephesians, first three chapters, a lot of doctrine. Here's where we've been placed. Here's what happened. Now here's what you do. And so now here's the same thing. It's, it, and it's dealing with one another so often. Yeah. We have this goodness here. So what do we do with the ones who have the unfruitful deeds? Well, we have to turn the light on. And we have to expose what's in the darkness. Listen, don't do what they do, first of all. And then he says, expose what they do. And it's like we're the spiritual CIA. And our our job is not to be involved, but to expose the very crimes of darkness. And I, uh, you know, whenever we have uh, an opportunity to stand for truth, which is what we've been kind of dealing with tonight, um, use it. Use that opportunity. Uh, God will present that in some way or another, in some time or another, whether it be, you can think of all the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And of course, we think of, uh, we think of all those sexual things that are happening or, uh, of course, abortion. Uh, look at that. You know, when we get the opportunity to at least, we in ourselves can't change it, but we need to say it is wrong. Here's why it's wrong. We have truth here to back it up. Uh, is the world willing to listen to that? Probably not, but yet we're still to expose it. Who knows might he- who might hear that and it might change their lives forever. Um, and there are many people that do that. We can go on one area to the next area to the next area. God will have you uh, maybe stand on a soapbox on certain areas in, in your life that you know that uh, is absolutely wrong and you get the opportunity to, to tell that. We're an agent, though. We're an agent representing uh, our Father and we have a tool. The tool is the truth. It's the Scripture. But you're still back into verse number 2. Walking. There's our balance, right? Yeah. Well, that's a good point because what you're saying, it's funny, it started off here, first of all, with walking in love. And then it comes to the area of dealing with the truth or the light. Matter of fact, as as we were talking about Janice, she presented the truth in love. Uh, what Ephesians four? Uh, uh, 
continue to hold to God is and why by those actions you can see that they're separated right. from Him. And that you're in your desire to not do so. And would you, would you say that we should not ever be surprised why people are doing the things they're doing. Why do they do those things? What have we already seen in Second Corinthians 4? Or somehow get that truth to them in a way that they can understand it, recognize that they're in that. Of course, it's going to be the Spirit of God that's going to wake them up, but His truth and the Spirit work together. And that's what makes it most difficult. Because you get caught up. You get caught up. Your personality gets caught up. You know this person is wrong, and you're going to show them they are so wrong. Since you do that, you lost them. Yeah. But that's where, I mean, if you can keep yourself out, you need to stick with this and keep yourself out of it. That's very good. That's the trick, isn't it? That's that love point. What what is your purpose for doing that? Is it to know what's wrong? Or is it to show them? Well, the the purpose may may not be that initially. (laughs) (laughs) You might find a mirror thing. You have to remind yourself constantly, mm-hmm. even while you're in the middle of this exposing truth things that you're trying to do. Yeah, because all of a sudden we can get so caught up into it that all of a sudden now we have the same kind of sin that they have. And, uh, the, the wretchedness of all that starts coming in in, in our whole attitudes yeah, of it. Pride is what we become What's our motive behind yeah. this? It's because we love them and we want to see them come out of that. And we've got to be careful that we don't judge them for it in the process. Otherwise, we're already starting to tread down the wrong path. Oh, we can use this as... All we can do is use the, use the book that has been given to us yeah. to show them and that they accept it. That's great. If not, they have to be willing to accept it before we can... God has to make that move in them to yeah, be able to do it, doesn't He? Yeah. There's a verse, I don't know if it's pertinent to this or not, um, and I don't know what the context of it is. Somebody told it to me when I was having trouble, and they said, um, Jesus comes with a sword, because I thought, you know, when I got a handle on everything, like I would be able to handle all these bad situations with non-believers or led astray people in my life, and that um, I could tolerate and not, like, struggle through this. The backlash, if you will, of that um, being the light and exposing the truth and whatever, and that did not happen. And I was like in a crisis, like, um, why is it that I'm getting closer to God in my relationship with other non-Christians or people who are walking astray or just getting worse and worse? You know, it was like the initial phase for me, at least at that time, was that they were getting harder for me to handle. And then somebody said that to me, you know, like Jesus comes with a sword. I don't know what verse it is. I don't know what the context of it is. But like the beginning of Revelation where he comes down with the iron rod. But I think it's easy to say remember the light and we associate that with good, but it's not always, you know, yeah. going to be that way. Well, the... Um this may not be what they were talking about, but in uh, Hebrews it says, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And so when the Word of God is delivered, it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It goes right into that, which we can't do. But the Word of God slices right in to where the heart is at, and it convicts. The Word of God convicts, and the Spirit of God convicts the world of sin, of the righteousness of God, or the righteousness that He's put into you, and and judgment that there is judgment to that. Yeah, and the world doesn't like it. No, very uncomfortable. Yeah. About exposing. Yes. Yeah. Mark Luther said, he said, "Peace is at all possible. Truth at all costs." I like the priority there. Yep. The truth coming first. Truth is most important. That's right. We definitely want the peace, but the peace isn't guaranteed. Um, and of course, I think that goes right along. In is it Romans chapter fourteen? Very similar to that, dealing with uh, peace at all, as much as you possibly can, as long as as they would want to. If you're dealing with a, an individual, but if they don't want it, you you can't make that happen. But it, the truth is always there. About oh, we're we're right at the end here. I'll. Um, we're not going to be able to finish it, but have have you ever? I, I don't know if any of you have ever been in the Middle East. I I haven't been. Uh, has anybody been in Jerusalem before? Did anybody here take a trip there? Uh, anyway, you've seen you've probably seen videos or something along those little skinny streets that they have. They almost look like alleys. They're so skinny. Uh, you have a little bit of light shining in, and you go into those shops. I've been in Mexico before, you know, right across the border. And, you know, going to those shops, and, you know, it's it's not lit well, and you can see things in there. Oh, that's really cool looking. I think I'd like to buy that. But you might be buying a piece of pottery that's all cracked, and there might be some flaws in there. You don't know what you're getting because there's not enough light. That's what they say, like in Jerusalem or in the Middle East, and these little, little small, skinny streets, and in the marketplaces and such. The shine, uh, the shining of the sun is not happening there very much. It's very little. And what you do, though, is that since there's no windows a lot of the times in these shops you want to take that article that you're thinking about buying and take it outside where there's light that it can expose what that really is. Because you really want to buy something that's good and not something that's broken or done very poorly, right? So you want to take it out. That's a simple analogy, but uh, where there's a little bit of light can put the test on what needs to be exposed. And those shameful things. When we are shining light on something where people can see it, and how they respond is going to be—that's up to the Lord. But at least to be able to to bring that forth, um, see if it stands the test. Right? We are the light. We bring the truth, and so to expose those actions, to expose uh, decisions that people make. Sometimes they they don't even think about it. They don't know to expose. The motives, uh, we don't know, but the very light of Christ can do that. But we want to show what is what is really genuine and what's true. Our resource is this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. What's the rest of it? A light unto my path. Thy word is a light. 
The Word of God is what's going to be manifested as truth, as the light coming on. I know in John 3, is it verse 18? I thought of that. Everybody knows John 3, 16, but it's interesting as you move on further. It's a great verse, but... um, in verse 17, God didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. But he who believes Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. They wanted to continue in that. They wanted to stay in it. They hate it when truth is being presented unless God comes in and takes the blinders off like He did to Saul who became Paul. Took the blinders and all of a sudden we had a changed man. And uh, everything was exposed to him as he recognized all of his righteousnesses were as filthy rags. He did things that looked good. I mean, we're not talking about all the bad things. that Outwardly, if any man was righteous, it was him, right? So it got down all the way down into the very heart of the matter, like we were talking about that sword that comes in and really hits it. It hit him with where he thought he was good and even gets to that point. Only God can do that. But anyway, that's a little bit about exposing. We didn't finish our section. We kind of uh, in verse uh, at the end of verse 11. And we'll kind of pick it up there next week. But uh, this light, this truth that we have is incredible. And by the way, that's what we are. That's our nature. If we've trusted in Christ, we are God's light here in this world as we use this. This is His light, but we're the ones that turn that on. What an incredible characteristic that God has given us. And what a huge responsibility that we actually have. I mean, it overwhelms me in one sense, and I, I'm almost thinking, I'm not capable. And then I think about it, and I go, yeah, that's right, I am not. But God's Spirit and truth is. And He's decided, whether I liked it or not at the time, to take residence in me and in you and to bring the light there. That's why we have Bible studies, to have a little bit more light so that we can cast it upon those deeds of darkness and be trained in that. But it's good to know who we are, isn't it? And that it's God doing that and we have nothing to fear because uh, there's no darkness. We're not in darkness anymore. We have nothing to fear. Thank the Lord for His truth. Let's pray.